Worship in the World, a screen-free worship experience is brought to you by Downtown Church. Downtown Church is a community of unfinished people based in Columbia, South Carolina. We believe in asking honest questions while we strive to follow Christ within our own communities, loving people wherever they find themselves on their faith journey. Thank you for being with us virtually today. So I carry the way. 
Now let us come to a time of confession. For our confession today, I really encourage us all to, to spend some time thinking about the ways in which we um, have failed this week. I know that might sound really pessimistic, but it is only in realizing that we are not perfect and acknowledging that we cannot do everything, that then we can truly rely on God's grace. So friends, let us go to God in prayer. God, we mess up. God, we fail. We do things that are wrong. God, forgive us for the ways in which we fail. Forgive us for the ways in which we hurt, the ways in which we are selfish. God, now let us now voice our silent confession. Friends, God's grace is so much greater. God's grace welcomes us in. God's grace forgives us, and that is a glorious thing. Friends, we are forgiven. Go and show forgiveness to one another. Amen. And now for Holy Interruption. I'm James Wilson. I'm a member of Downtown Church for about four or five years. Uh, I thoroughly enjoy the opportunity to spiritually grow with good friends I've met. I usually attend the 1030 session and I often work as a greeter at the front door. I really enjoy the opportunity to grow spiritually. I've been away from the church for quite a few years. It's uh, really opened up a whole new dimension in my life and, and uh, given me a lot of gratitude. And uh, I appreciate the opportunity to serve. We're in the midst of a sermon series reading through the Gospel of Mark over the next seven weeks. We pick up reading in chapter 3, with verse 13. 
Jesus went up the mountain and called to him those whom he wanted, and they came to him. And he appointed twelve whom he also named apostles to be with him and to be sent out to proclaim the message and to have authority to cast out demons. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. The title of today's sermon is A Good Block. In the movie, Remember the Titans, Rev and Ray are on the same football team, but they couldn't be further apart. Rev, nicknamed for all the praying he does, is the team's quarterback, and Ray is on the offensive line. His job is to block for the quarterback. The problem is Ray refuses to block. And there are all a lot of reasons we could give for Ray not blocking as he should. Maybe he doesn't hear the play as it's called. Maybe he's tired. But we are given the reason Ray won't block for Rev. It's because Rev is black. And Ray doesn't want to be playing on an integrated football team. Ray isn't alone here. It's the plot of the movie. Many of his teammates are upset about the school board's decision to integrate the teams They've got two lead coaches trying to work out racial tensions right alongside them. And what the coaches see is that unless these boys start working together, they aren't going to be winning any games. When Ray decides not to block for Rev, not only does that give the opposing team the advantage, it can also be really dangerous. When Ray doesn't block for Rev, he gives a clear pathway for the defense to tackle the quarterback, and they've got all the incentive in the world to come at him hard. I can't imagine what it would be like for Rev, a black quarterback trying to execute plays with an offensive line that won't block for him. There's this one scene when they're at football camp and they're running four-day practices as punishment because they can't get this play right. And the captain, a white player named Gary, friends with Ray, gets fed up that Ray won't block. Gary confronts Ray face to face in front of everyone and he tells him he's got to start blocking for Rev. And it's a turning point. It's a turning point for the team the moment they start working together, stringing together plays, building a team that actually has a chance at winning a game. It's a turning point for them, and it has everything to do with trust. I imagine it took some time for Rev to trust his teammate Ray was going to block for him. It's human nature, after being let down so many times to wait for another boot to drop. And unfortunately for Rev, the other boot does drop during a game. Ray hears a call, chooses not to block, and Rev gets hurt. Trust is a tricky thing with humans. As much as it gets built up over time, it can be torn down in a moment. It's not static, it's dynamic, it changes with every action, every word. And just as trust was paramount in this team's ability to play football together, trust is all over the call for Jesus' disciples. Jesus had to trust the disciples. The disciples had to trust Jesus. And really, they didn't know each other that long when Jesus decides to make it official. I wonder how Jesus chose his disciples, like 
Did he balance personality types? Was he looking for a diverse set of skills and backgrounds? What kind of team was he building for his ministry? I'm amazed that Jesus chooses anyone, any human at all, to join his ministry, for surely, like Ray and Rev, many of those disciples had trust issues. Jesus already knew that one of them was going to let him down. And it's not like Jesus was getting the A-team disciples, the best picks. Nah, he was getting like third and fourth round picks. Jesus was a Jewish rabbi choosing Jewish disciples. And per usual Jesus, he's not going about it the traditional way. Traditionally, Jewish children would begin learning Hebrew scriptures, the first half of our Bible, at the age of six. They would go to school and they would begin memorizing one book of the Bible after the other. And then at some point during their teen years, there would be a, a, a sorting of students. If you were an exceptional Hebrew Bible student, you would get the opportunity to continue your studies, to pursue an apprenticeship with a rabbi. That's what it was meant to be called a disciple. You would devote your entire life to learning the ways of a rabbi. And all of this was contingent upon whether the, or not the rabbi you chose chose you back. The rabbi had to deem you worthy to be their disciple. And all the other students who weren't the exceptional learners had to go and learn something else, like a family business or another trade. In those days, being a rabbi or a disciple of a rabbi was highly esteemed. It was one of the very best things that you could do. And those who became disciples were so devo devoted to their rabbi that there's this saying that they were covered in the dust of their rabbi. They followed so closely in the footsteps of their rabbi, watching their every move, learning their every way that they couldn't help but be covered in the dust of their rabbi. Well, again, Jesus didn't go about it the normal way. He didn't choose from an A team of disciples. He chose from the B team and the C team, people who had already given up on the game. We know that Jesus' disciples had already been sorted out of Hebrew school and that no rabbi had deemed them worthy of discipleship, for they were already established in other trades. Jesus called fishermen and tax collectors. They weren't studying the Hebrew scriptures any longer. And for some odd reason, Jesus decided that they were the ones he was going to work through. You might be wondering why Jesus went about this in an unconventional way. I certainly am. It's a question I hope to ask Jesus one day. Why? Why would you ever want to work through such flawed, ordinary humans like us? We don't know the answer to that question, but we can consider the mysteriously beautiful response of the disciples. They all said yes. Theologian Rob Bell talks about this privilege of being approached to be Jesus' disciple. Of course they would say yes, he says. It's a privilege in their culture to get to spend time as a disciple of a rabbi. And historically speaking, I'm sure that is true. But I can't help but to think about the trust. Traditionally, the exceptional Hebrew student would seek out a rabbi and that choice would have lots of time and prayer devoted to it. There would be a vetting process between the rabbi and the, 
you know, want to be disciple plenty of time to build trust between them. But in Jesus' version, it seems to happen in a matter of weeks, days even. How did trust build that quickly between Jesus and his new disciples? What is it about Jesus that makes them come to that mountain and join him? We all like to think that we would be the ones called to the top of the mountain with Jesus. We all like to think that hearing our names called, we would have the courage to say yes. I can't help but think through who might be in that crowd. Like the young woman expecting a baby or her partner, would that timing really be good for them? Or the young man newly engaged, excited about what his life holds, would that time be right for him? The middle-aged entrepreneur who's in the ripest years of their career, who needs another couple of years to pass the trade on to a younger partner, would that timing be right for them? How about the nurse who cares for the wounded? She needs time with Jesus, but it seems like a luxury in comparison to the need she heals on a daily basis. Though the conventional process of teen years seems to be the best place to make that call about devoting your life as a disciple to the rabbi Jesus, the reality is there's never a good time to follow Jesus. And yet we see one after the other that these disciples do, eager to be covered in the dust of their rabbi, they take the steps forward in blind trust to follow him. Let's think for a moment through the typical way that trust is built between humans. You start with a friendship, right? And then through small acts, you see if this person is trustworthy. Do they show up? Do they listen? Do they do what they say? Do they demonstrate an ulterior motive or separate agenda? And we actually see this happening with Jesus In just a short period of time, in just the first few chapters of the Gospel of Mark, we get to see Jesus show up in a variety of ways. We see him come back from the desert, having been tempted three ways by the devil. We hear him tell the life-saving story of repentance and forgiveness. We watch him heal the man with the withered hand. We watch him interact with all of those around him, how his words and his actions line up, how he's constantly caring for and protecting and healing those around him, it makes me wonder if the disciples say yes, not because they had full trust in Jesus already, but because they needed, they needed that trust in their lives. Jesus makes them feel special when he's with them. And not through the extravagance of creaturely comforts that he wins them over. Rather, it's through an intimate bond, the way he looks at them like they have something to say. And, and there's laughter with Jesus, though I'd imagine Jesus isn't the one cracking the jokes. He laughs with his disciples. It's like he knows that when you're laughing, you, you can't help but be present in that moment. And there's a sense of protection when you're with Jesus, like, like he's always going to block for you. This gentle nature about Jesus, it draws us in. It makes us so that we can rely on him even when we can't rely on anything else. We can trust that he won't hurt us even when the world comes at us sideways with tackles that have yet to be named. I like to think that I would be among one of the ones 
coming forward when Jesus calls, one of the ones who is covered in the dust of their rabbi. And if not one of the highly appointed apostles, then I'd want to be, you know, one of the groupies that follows him around for a few weeks. But then I wonder about all the things I would have to walk away from to take that adventure. What effort on my part would it take to get close enough to be covered in the dust of Jesus? It might be time. It might be time that we thoughtfully reconsider what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. For I don't know about you, but I don't feel particularly dusty these days. I want to get closer to the ground, to the movement of Jesus' footsteps, kicking up dust all over me. I want to be so close to Jesus that I can't even see that far ahead. I'm just focused on the movement in front of me, the one step required of me next. And I want that trust that comes in feeling safe and cared for, blocked from all the attacks coming my way. Jesus speaks to us in a way that all of us can trust him. And as we respond eager, albeit nervous, to follow closely behind him, we want to be in his presence, to learn the ways of him that will require much of us, yes, but will give us the one thing we actually need, trust. Trust that does not waver, no matter the time or the circumstance, no matter the humanity within ourselves that we can't always trust. Trust in a God that blocks for us every time. Amen. Great, I'll always greet you. At my door, you're welcome in. There can be no transgression as a means to an end. Only when the wolves are howling, open arms are clenched in fear, helping hands are clenched in anger, broken hearts beyond. Everything's so great, can't get better Makes me wanna cry Thank you.
she stands so tall and light Her gaze facing the east At her back her doors are closing As we grin and bare our teeth On the wind the wolves are howling She cries they're drawing near Turn around, turn around my darling The wolves were there Friends, now let us come to a time of prayer. Um, I know for many of us, 2020 has been a time of transition, of change, of some change that we did not ask for. Um, and I know I've found myself praying more often of trying to create that ritual to remind myself um, of who is in control, of, of a God who is much greater than my problems, of my worries, of my anxieties. Um, so know that teachers and students who are struggling, of parents, relationships, people who, um, their jobs, um, their financial security, all these things that we have come to know and hold on to, um, for those who are struggling with that, um, know that our prayers are with you um, and that God is with you. And so today I'd like to borrow a prayer um, attributed to St. Francis. Um, so let us pray together and we'll finish in the Lord's Prayer. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me bring love. Where there is offense, let me bring pardon. Where there is discord, let me bring union. Where there is error, let me bring truth. Where there is doubt, let me bring faith. Where there is despair, let me bring hope. Where there is darkness, let me bring your light. Where there is sadness, let me bring your joy. O oh, Master, let me not seek as much to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that one receives. It is in self-forgetting that one finds. It is in pardoning that one is pardoned. And it is in dying that one is raised to eternal life. And now, friends, let us pray together the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples, saying, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And now for the benediction. How about a trust that does not waver? A rabbi, Jesus, who never lets you down. May we get close enough to be covered in the dust of Jesus. And as you go from this place, may the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the interruption of that Holy Spirit may it be with you. 
and with all those you love and with all those nobody loves. Amen. A special thanks to our technical team and artists of all forms. Musical composition and vocals brought to you by Admiral Radio. Audio mastery by Drew Parker. Carry the Weight by Dennison Whitmer. Gloria Patry by City Hymn. And The Wolves by Mandolin Orange. Scripture is quoted from the New Revised Standard Version of the Bible. Theological musings and prayers brought to you by Lucas Jones and Don Hyde. <laughs>